listening to Dress to Kill Ministry. This message was recorded by one of our main speakers at our March 2023 D2K conference in Memphis, Tennessee. We pray this message blesses and encourages you to stand in faith for your needs and to walk in the fullness he has for you and your family. We look forward to seeing you at one of our next gatherings. My name's Tosh. I'm from Orlando. I'm married. I have three kids. And um, in 2014, when my boy was four years old, he was diagnosed with autism. Um, He was officially diagnosed in 2014, but I had known a little bit earlier that he had some issues. Um, I had probably known the summer after he turned a year old. uh, As a mom, you have that. God-given motherly intuition, but I didn't listen to that. That season of my life, I was in denial. Um, I did take him to get an evaluation. I think he was around two years old at the time, and that's the first time the speech therapist had mentioned to me, well, have you thought about autism? And this woman offended me. I was so offended that I was like, how dare this educated specialist in this field tell me that she thinks my child has autism? I said something rude. I think I told her to go back to college. I don't know. I'm embarrassed to even think about it because I was in such a bad place. And I left. And I put it on the back burner because I thought, she's crazy. There's no way. Not my son. And I'm not going to let him have that label. I'm not going to let him have that diagnosis. So I just kind of let it go. We were traveling at the time. Um, We were trying to figure out where God wanted us to lay roots. We were literally, my husband was working city to city. So I just, I put on the back burner. And then we ended up settling in um, a little town, Claremont, Florida. And at the time it was little, it was 10 years ago. And um, so I said, okay. It's time to kind of, you know, when you have a 12-month-old not speaking, it's like, "Mm." when you have a 24-month-old not speaking, it gets a little iffy. By the time you got a four-year-old not speaking, it's, it's time to do something. But I stayed in that season of denial because that's where the devil wanted me. Because if I denied the problem, I couldn't fix it. So that was, that was the first strike, right? That's the first, first thing I did wrong, denial. So we get all the appointments. We end up going to some big neurologist in Orlando. Um, I was really nervous to stay because I didn't really know what to expect. I don't, when I think back, I don't know what he was supposed to tell me. I know we ate Bojangles that morning. I couldn't get the biscuit down. I haven't eaten a Bojangles biscuit. It was like, I was so nervous. I was trying to choke this biscuit down, waiting for this appointment. I gets, we get to the neurologist, we waits for an hour. I got the three kids with me and my husband, because we had, now, mind you, we're in a season where we have no family around us, no babysitters, nobody, not a soul. We are in Florida completely alone. Um, you know, everybody comes there in the winter, but this was a year-round thing for us. So we had nobody, me, him, and these three kids. And we goes in the neurologist's office, and he starts asking questions like they do, questionnaires going on. 
And I don't know how I was answering this man, but I guess I must have really been still in denial because he stopped. And he, he was an old um, Indian man. And he stopped and he said, you think that's normal? That's not normal. He's not acting normal. And I was like so taken aback. This doctor's yelling at me. Because he, the doctor could see I'm so in denial. And he tells me, things like this don't get better. Things like this do not get better. And I lost it. The man in one 15-minute appointment crushed my whole world. Gave us a list of diagnoses like, like, like this. Delays, delays, learning delay, speech delay, uh, cognitive delay, uh, autism spectrum disorder, autistic behaviors. I mean, it was this piece of paper was like, it, it, our whole world changed. In that one appointment, and him yelling at me, and me crying, and then he finally says, oh, maybe with some therapy. Literally like this, maybe with some therapy. Might get better. And I want you to understand something. I didn't have, because the autism spectrum disorder's very big. I didn't just have a speech-delayed child. I had a child that didn't know his own name. I had a child that I couldn't take out in public because he would end up on the floor tantruming. I had a child that would bang his head against the wall. I had a child that was up all hours of the night, that was, was self-injuring himself, slapping himself. Everything that spin he was looking at. If you would say, Carmine, hand me the remote control, he would go into the bedroom. He had no idea what you were talking about, let alone safety issues like running out into a parking lot and getting hit by a car. He had no comprehension of these things. And at this point, he's four years old. And you think to yourself, well, that's still kind of young. But four-year-olds at that point at least know their name. And so this was a new season I'm in now. So I'm out of denial. I'm in a depression. It was like I remember walking to the car, opening the door, and I remember it was like, a black cloud was pulled over my family. I no longer had hope. This man killed it for me. Autism was a death sentence. Because I had a classic autistic child that wasn't speaking, that was hand flapping, that was covering his ears every time he heard a noise that didn't agree with him. And so this season lasted for a while. It was depression, despair, hopelessness, and shamefulness. I wasn't ashamed of my child. I was ashamed of what our people was going to say about him. I didn't want to be talked about. I didn't want them to say, oh, you know, those are the ones with the one that's off. Or, well, they got one that's a little bit, in our language we say need one. means, you know, a little bit crazy, a little bit not all there. So I hid. I was in my season where I just, I just hid. We didn't go to parties, we didn't go anywhere. We didn't even go in a restaurant because that's how bad he was and that's how much anxiety I had just getting out. And again, this is where the devil wanted me. He didn't want me calling up my relatives and reaching out for prayer. He didn't want me going to anybody's church. He didn't, and church, we gave up on church because this child could not sit for an hour in church. So, I went from denial to literally despair. The devil will use your insecurities against you. 
And my insecurity was people talking about my child. Because we're all the same as travelers. And word gets around fast. One phone call and everyone would have known. Tosh got something wrong with the baby. Oh, poor pitiful Tosh. Oh, she's all alone. Oh, uh, how pitiful that girl got to deal with that baby. So I stayed in that season for a long time. And then finally, like I can't, I can't tell you a scripture at that time because I wasn't relying on God. I wasn't serving the Lord. Mind you, I was home with my three kids cooking and cleaning, not doing nothing, not drinking. Not, my husband wasn't out in the streets, wasn't taking a pill, wasn't doing nothing. But I still was not serving the Lord because I, I realized this. And this is something I, ha- I had to deal with. You can be not serving the Lord, sitting to your table, drinking a cup of coffee. It doesn't mean you have to be doing something out there in the world. And I wasn't serving the Lord. I wasn't fasting. I wasn't praying. I wasn't reaching out. It was just, I'm embarrassed to say, I was living in fear. And I'll tell you one, how the devil really got me. Fear of the future. Well, your boy's never going to get married. Your boy's never going to drive. Your boy's never going to have his own truck and go to work. Because like I said, all of us travelers are the same and we all want the same things. I would love to say I'm going to have a doctor. You know, I'd love to say I'm going to have a a scientist. No. What I wanted for my boy, the devil really, really played on. He said, you're you're, you're never going to see your child do those things. Because you've got to remember... I never even heard the word mommy. And I had an older child, so I know that these things weren't normal. And I also now had a younger child. They were all two years apart. So it was really heartbreaking to see your baby have more comprehension and do more than her older brother. It's heartbreaking. And it's, 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 it's so... It's so hurtful to see your child not be able to do these things that your other children were born to do. And it's not just about the speaking. How about drinking out of a water bottle? How about, you know, fine motor skills, low muscle tone? You name it, my boy had it. So I entered a new season, and I really stood on the scripture, uh, the Proverbs, um, Speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. But even that I did wrong. Because I was super mom now. I was going to do it and I was going to get it done. And when I think about this, I want to I like pinch my flesh. And like, like, what were you thinking? Because it was all me. I didn't surrender to the Lord. I didn't give it to him. I was going to do it. I was going to Google autism away. And I Googled hours, sometimes till three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, sometimes till five o'clock in the morning. And I knew I was at my lowest desperate point when I would Google, how do you cure autism? Because there's no cure for autism. They don't even know what causes autism. And that was a pretty long season because we tried everything. And again, I was doing it because I was a mom and I was going to fix this. So I wasn't going to be depressed. I wasn't going to be in despair. I wasn't going to be in denial. But now I'm a fixer. And I'm doing it all on my own. And I'm not even including my husband in this because 
I'm scared to break his heart. I'm scared to tell him, you may never buy your son a truck. You may never put your boy on a wedding. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to break my husband's heart and tell him my deepest fears, that we might have to make plans for our boy, maybe in a home, maybe long term, because this is how bad my boy was. So I, that was another season I stayed in. We did every therapy under the sun. We even did horse therapy. I, and it wasn't like I said, if you're led by the Lord to do something, great. I wasn't. I was led by Google. I was led by, I was the obnoxious parent in school that like, oh, what'd you do for your kid? Oh, your kid's talking? Oh, what'd you do? Oh, can you give me the name of that doctor? Like, I was obnoxious. So, finally, I put him in this new school. The woman sold me. Oh, she was going to do this, she was going to do that. I mean, she, she truly dipped me. I mean, she did, but I wanted to be sold. I wanted, and it ended up being a horrible experience. But I ended up attending that church, and that was the day I remember I just couldn't go no more. We weren't seeing progress. We would, we would see little stuff here and there, but we weren't seeing anything solid. And I, I just couldn't do it anymore. And during worship, I literally surrendered. I surrendered it to the Lord. I left that church in tears and more desperate than when I walked in. But I want you to know, just because I surrendered it, I didn't get a 24-hour miraculous healing. Now I had to put in the work. I didn't know that at the time. All I knew is I couldn't go no more. I was, I was, my boy at this point was in full-time ABA therapy, 40 hours a week of therapy. And I was driving to pick him up from the school. And that song, I Hope You Dance, come on, that old song. And immediately I thought of everything my boy's not going to do in life. My boy's not going to do none of this. And I started crying, and it was the first time I truly heard the Lord's voice, clear as day. Clear as day, it was, he spoke to me, and he said, Carmine's healing's there, but you got to go get it. And I was mad. Where do you want me to go get this healing? Lord, where am I supposed to go? And I cried all the way to the school, and I cried all the way home. And that spring, I got a phone call from my cousin. Now, if you would think, no big deal, it's my cousin. But we had lost touch. I, had, I couldn't remember the last time I talked to her. We were so out of touch, I didn't even have her number in my phone. I answered this number. It's my cousin, Tiffany Joseph. And I'm like, oh, hey, how you been? And she just starts, she just starts talking to me. And asking me about my life. And I says to her, I seen you went to that dress to kill with the boxing gloves. I said, you know, it look, I feel like I really missed out. Now, mind you, I don't know nothing about dress to kill. I know nobody that puts it on. I only know that I seen Tiff post a picture. And, I, and she's like, yeah, you should come to the next one. And I says, yeah, well, I'm going to make a plan to do it. So that was in the spring. So me and her, we ended up keeping in touch. 
And we made, I made plans to go to the one, I believe it was 2018, the transformation. And then I backed out. And I'll be honest with you, I'm too fat. I'm not going to thumb. Now, mind you, I'm 20 pounds lighter than I am now, okay? And I didn't, I don't got nothing to wear. Like, the devil literally tried to use that. And then I sees this woman, don't know her from nowhere, don't even know how she ended up on my Facebook, Gloria Holden. She posts this thing saying that she's having a treat at Dress to Kill. It's going to be like when you take a name for Christmas, but you take a child's name. And I thought, I want my boy's name on that tree. But how can I put my boy's name on that tree and not go get one? So I said, forget it. My fat self and all, I'm going to dress to kill. <laughs> and by the grace of God, a cousin of mine agreed to meet me there. Because I didn't know anybody that was going. I knew that Tiff was going to go, but she had to work that week. So she wasn't even going to be there the whole time. So I get there to dress to kill, and I find out that there's this ministry called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. And um, I'm in awe. I'm like, what? There's other women who have kids with special needs who pray for them, who aren't ashamed and in denial and alone. And I end up meeting Liz Ford and Gloria Holden. And eventually, I ended up meeting Margaret Reed, but I, I, I saw her there, but we really didn't get to talk. And I came expecting. I didn't know what I needed. I didn't know what I was coming for. I knew that I couldn't do it no more, and my boy wasn't getting any better. Now, at this point, that was into, at this point, Carmen's eight years old. So... I have an eight-year-old boy still not speaking, still not having any comprehension, still tantruming out. I'm still avoiding Walmart. I was doing Instacart way before 2020. I, I literally, you can look on my Facebook. I said, this, this is the way. Jesus lets me know he loves me because my groceries are delivered. Because do you know how many times I would be crying in the grocery store and walk out and leave the grocery full of buggy, the buggy full of groceries because I couldn't take it because of what he was doing in this grocery store. So I'm at dressed to kill, and I left it all at the altar. I surrendered, and I learned these things that I didn't know from these obedient women of God. I learned that God wants me to have these promises. Like, I don't have to live with this shame. I don't have to live in despair. I don't have to live in hopelessness. Because hopelessness is a terrible place. And I left Dressed to Kill truly transformed with new friends. With new friends. With an, an awesome, awesome ministry. Fearfully and wonderfully made. I was like all in. I was all in. And I was on fire. I can't lie. Because it's hard. After you leave, it's hard. You, you can't not be on fire. And when I got to Dress to Kill, my cousin Tiff handed me Jensen Franklin's fasting book. Now, mind you, I hate fasting. I'm not even going to pretend. I just, I knew God wanted me to fast. And I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good. And she handed me this book. And I kind of, I think I like rolled my eyes. thinking like, oh, great, Lord. So I get home from Dress to Kill. 
this other girl that I connected with that had um, that has a child with autism. She said, hey, I'm going to do the Daniel fast. I'm going to start it November 1st so I can end it right before Thanksgiving. Do you want to do it? So I'm like, okay, Lord. Now I'm, but I, I, I can do it because I'm on fire. Because I just came from dress to kill. And I, I can do anything at this point. <laughs> I, can, I can take on the world. So I did, I did the Daniel fast. But I want you to know I wasn't fasting for my boy. I don't know why. I couldn't tell you. God didn't put it on my heart to fast for my boy. I was fasting for Tiff, her sister, her first cousin, and this girl um, with the child with autism because she was thinking about doing stem cells. And uh, I fasted for 21 days. I made it. And I mean, I hardcore fasted. Like, I'm talking, I'm sitting in Longhorn with my husband eating raw mushrooms. Like, I, and I, I didn't cheat, and I was like, I, I prayed, I fasted, I gave it to God. And somewhere in that 21 days, God led me to a detox. And he led me to this detox, and I started, started it with my boy in January. That was January, that was 2019. And within six weeks of doing the detox, my boy gained three and a half years of language. And it, it wasn't the detox. I mean, it was Jesus. Jesus handed me away. He, it was like he handed me this way. It's like he said, here, my girl, here your boy. Heal your boy. And now I know what he meant by his healing's there, but you got to go get it. I had to step out of my comfort zone. I had to put myself out there and go to Dress to Kill and meet the women of Fearfully and Wonderfully Made and finally open up to them and say, please pray for my boy. Please pray for my boy. And I want you to know. That's what I want you to know. I'm here now, and I called up my husband yesterday. I says, what's the boys doing? They're not answering their phone. He says, they're on the truck loading the roof. I want you to know that I stand here today and tell you, my boy fully conversates. My boy fully speaks. My boy can take out a sheet of music and play the piano. My boy goes to work. My boy drives a golf cart. He's, gonna, he's 12 years old now. My boy taught himself to swim. Do you know when I go to, when I go to Typhoon Lagoon to Disney Water Park, I let him run around. He goes on the slides. He does everything you would expect a typical 12-year-old child to do. The devil can't take it from me, guys. But I had to put in the work. That detox was hard. Getting to dress to kill was hard. It was hard this time. My plane got canceled. You have to put in the work. You cannot sit in denial. The devil wants our babies to not be able to read the word and put their hands up and praise the Lord and sit in the church. But guess what? The other night, my boy sat six hours in church for a revival. And he put his hands up. And he leads us in prayer. And he reads the King James Version of the Bible. And that's what the Lord did.